When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. But I Yes, hello and welcome back. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel, SEN Track. It is a massive weekend, as we know, in Greyhound Racing, but also, even more so, in Harness Racing with the Breeders' Crown Deciders to be decided this weekend. Tonight and tomorrow night, big racing both evenings, particularly tomorrow night. That's the meeting that Dan Malecki and I will be focusing in on. And without further ado, welcome to you, Dan Malecki. And good morning to you, um, Jace. I was just thinking about Dido's uh, the clip. With that invested, with that passionate about what we're doing, if we do have a bad one, we will be going down with the ship. <laughs> <laughs> we will be waving a white flag and surrendering. Yeah. Hopefully, it doesn't get as nasty as uh, that stand film clip with uh, Eminem. As, as long as it doesn't, <laughs> as long as there's no violence involved, Dan, I, I think we can move forward with our lives. But um, <laughs> all bridges, all bridges, correct. Um, amazing weekend and. You know, when the when the draws were conducted last Saturday night while we were both um, doing our respective uh, duties and obligations on Trot's Vision and, and for you via um, various platforms, including Sky Racing, you kind of – there wasn't a pit in the stomach, but you kind of thought to yourself, oh, geez, there's going to be a couple of really easy ones here. And it's almost weird that you feel like you have to spend more time on the easier races sometimes to try and – find something that may or may not be there. But as soon as I sat down to get stuck into this meeting, things really did start to to bubble and flow to the surface that I that I wasn't expecting. I don't know how you found it. Oh, look, last week I probably wasn't able to absorb all the, the barrier draws as, that was, as they were happening. There was a lot going on last Saturday night and when Emma's got nine horses in one race, I was more focused on trying to learn those new colours oh. than, uh, than worry about the barrier draws. But you're right, even when there are horses that are seemingly like a major delight, the draws barrier one and, and will um, uh, dominate the market, the betting on the race, you can still find other aspects, uh, whether it's... Uh, the horses drawn inside of the back line or some of the other horses that might have uh, gate speed that potentially could cross and it opens it up and that's what we're there for. We're there to find the uh, alternate uh, ways to, uh, well, at least attempt to find a winner. So I still find them exciting and, um, you know, you, you put all your eggs in one basket if, if a major delight or Captain Ravishing are as short as what they are. There are others that, that look like they're great value comparatively. And I think horses like Encipher and Act Now are horses that are well into odds on but look value. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we, we, we couldn't have screamed Encipher from the rooftops anymore. In fact, we were just um, uh, questioning our own sanity at times. Yeah, we were. And just going, yeah. can, I, can I just get book a two-and-a-half-minute meeting with a psychiatrist before this race just to talk through and make sure that I haven't gone insane? 
because she's a dollar seventy-five, and I don't understand why, and I think I'm losing my grip on reality. Yeah, no, it was totally. I, we we're looking for alternate uh, assistance to understand why she was in, in not a, a far more prohibitive uh, price. But that happens sometimes in. In, in harness racing particularly, doesn't it? We see a horse drift and it only drifts because it's probably opened up the wrong price. But when they continue to drift and they look like they've lost the leg because they've gone from 280 to $6, um, I think it's just the price assessors getting it wrong and the horse sometimes getting out to a more realistic price, more so than the gallops would happen, for example. It's not necessary mirroring uh, a significant drift and a worry from the stable. And, and I think even you and I have been in situations where we know that, but we still take a step backwards in thinking, you know, I smell a rat. Uh, and when I say that, I mean that there could be something else wrong as opposed to the horse just drifting in price. And conversely, it goes the other way when a horse can firm in significantly and your head's telling you, well, it's being back like it's going to lead, but I don't think it's going to lead. So, And that's where you get value. I think the key, the key sometimes, it, like, it's it's excavating and working out what the reason might be. And if you can't find one, it's a problem. The only thing I'll say about Encipher before we get stuck into the Friday form panel for tomorrow's big meeting at Tabcorp Park, Melton, is that I'd even written in the form comment that her style makes her um, feel a little less glamorous, potentially than others, and almost as though she's vulnerable because her margins aren't typically massive. But I'd, I'd, I'd well and truly passed that situation by the time we got to last week, and I've definitely passed it this week. She'll be going on top ahead of a more Vita. But let's get stuck into race one, first of all. The trotting races are arguably um, more exciting than the, uh, the pacing races, which might be the, the uh, same case for the Inter-Dominion. And great news overnight that... Um, I think sanity has prevailed and there will be three heats of the Inter-Dominion for the, um, for the trotters as well as the paces. And, I, you know, I, I think this was always, well, maybe it wasn't always going to happen, but it certainly has now. Right, race one, a couple of Andy Galino runners drawn one and two. There's a lot going on here, I reckon, Dan. So we know that Egret is a very quick beginner, but from the same stable. Michelle Phillips doesn't mind pressing the button out wide with the quick beginner named Kamora Safi. Um, Cormayer and Revelstoke both hold their own okay. Elder Baron Keeper's drawn awkwardly inside the second row. And I thought there was big overs about one even wider called just a bit touchy. This is a challenging way to start a great night. It is a challenging way to uh, start a, a, a great night indeed. Uh, Cormayer drawn one. There's always that little reservation you, you have with her, as good as she is. And I, I think she found her mojo a bit last start. So timing is good. Barrier, I'm not... I'm not sure. I'm expecting that she'll get crossed. As you said, there's a bit of speed out wide, particularly with Egret. Egret's very uh, fast out of the gate, maybe not as strong at the end of her races, but she's still pretty good. Uh, Revelstoke's strong enough, is becoming uh, a little more consistent. But again, can you rely on those two? I think they're two horses that if they'd drawn the back line, uh, their chances would still be as strong. They're, they're in danger of getting buried here. Potentially, not. I'm not certain that will be the case. Um, but I think a horse like Elderbaron Keeper, who we've seen before, she only needs daylight for a couple of hundred metres or even less, and she can flash home over the top. I really like the way she has improved through this prep. She's building up a picket fence. She's already a feature race winner, having won the Victoria Trotters Oaks. And while barrier eight can be a bit tricky, Chris has just got to make sure that um, Cormayer doesn't get in, in his way early. Uh, she can settle in the back half of the field. Uh, the trick will be to get away from the pegs. 
as quickly as possible. Um, and usually those really good drivers are excellent in doing it. And uh, she'll be able to finish with a rush over the top. So she was my obvious selection. I've almost got the Anton Galino. Well, there's three runners, but a little between Cormier and Revelstoke. Um, so I've gone in that order, eight, one, and two. Uh, and I'm thinking Egret can run a race because I do think it could lead. And if it leads, it can run a race. If others are looking or getting boxed away, looking for runs, Egret can still give a bit of cheek at good odds. So I wouldn't completely dismiss it. There are other chances. Just a bit touchy comes into it. Elderbaran Vera's got a hope. But a lot of their chances, I think, are reliant on a couple of the others making mistakes or getting into some trouble. I think Elderbaran Keep is very good. Her turn of foot is something that can see her win this Group 1, 8, 1, 2 and 5. Open your hymn books, people, because we're singing from the same one. Um, Elderbaran Keeper, yes. In fact, at $3.60 now, uh, I, I'm I'm going to make her one of my best of the night. Um, I, I just think I marked it $2.80. Uh, critically, Dan, we've seen her win in vastly different situations. And I, I even go back to a horse like Rock and Roll do before he went to the Victoria Cup. It gives you so much confidence when you know a horse isn't one-dimensional, doesn't need to be at the head of affairs, isn't a pure-sit sprinter. Aldebaran Keeper can be driven and piloted to the strength of the race or, or, or exactly what's playing out in front of Chris Alford, can't she? I mean, we've seen her win the Oaks from four poles in one of the more staggering wins I reckon I've seen this year, um, just absolutely grew wings. And yet you know that if required, she can probably make a mid-race move. She's won sitting park before. She's got it all. Cormayer and Revelstoke. And to be honest, I can't tell the difference between them sometimes. They're very similar horses. <laughs> Even their colours look the same. <laughs> well, as you well know from last week. But I, look, I think Revelstoke is a slightly better horse. It was, it was interesting to me that Nathan chose... Uh, Revelstoke, and clearly the market has reacted to that. $4 into $2.50, Nathan Jack, that is. But I'm with Aldebaran Keeper, eight over two Revelstoke, one Cormayeur. I think they're both going to get, could get into awkward situations early. And we know they're both skitchy enough that if Egret and Kimura Safi came across quickly and a few things went down that um, they weren't overly comfortable with, that they're not, they're far from foolproof, are they? And just a bit touchy, I did tweet out during the week, um, I just thought the heat run. We know how good Just a Bit Touchy is, defending champion in this division of the Breeders' Crown and also the Vic Bread Super Series. But I thought there were real signs at heat level of this series that she's back moving in the right direction. And I wonder whether there won't be enough early pressure to give her an opportunity to work into the race, even from back there, particularly knowing or suspecting that Elder Baron Keeper will be getting off the pegs and probably settling in the second half of the field as well. My numbers in the first, the Woodland Start Australia Breeders' Crown Series 24, final for the three-year-old trotting fillies, 8-2-1-12. and 12. Time for a break on the Friday form battle. We'll get stuck into more races in just a moment. Dan Malucky and Jay Bond with you. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. I don't know if my growth has been that stunted, but anyway, we move forward. It's the Friday Form Battle. Jay Bond and Dan Malecki, Breeders' Crown Finals Night. It feels like a decade ago now, Dan, that it, it was uh, it was Super Sunday uh, daytime, late August. It, it's it, it's amazing how time, the time space continuum, um, shifts and swirls, isn't it? Because it feels like 
so very long ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it feels like so very long ago. Yeah, well, that, that's true. It has evolved, hasn't it? And and also, um, you know, the landscape that it was on, I was I was a bit concerned of what direction it was heading, Jace, uh, the Breeders' Crown. I thought it was getting left behind a bit and it was becoming not as important as perhaps it should have been. And I think the date changed as, as a resurrector. It uh, resurrected it to a degree, uh, um, uh, certainly for the better. The racing's been terrific, and I think the time of the year, um, it worked last year. There's no doubt about that. It was fantastic. So I was buoyed uh, by that change and also uh, for the life of the Breeders' Crown. It's important to us, and the racing that we had uh, last year uh, particularly, and even last week in the semi final shows that... It's the right place uh, for it, and it is much needed, this Breeders' Crown Series. I think for a long time, and the calendar change obviously made a yeah, huge difference, but um, for a long time, people uh, were, were making the call. Um, I was certainly an advocate that it needed to be moved to uh, warmer climbs, and we're here now, and uh, the rating is, as you mentioned, Dan, absolutely outrageous. We'll get through one more race before another break here on the Friday Form Panel. This is the Breeders' Crown Series final for the two-year-old trotting fillies and probably a sign of the times, a little bit Harry Styles, that um, the fillies is clearly stronger than the Colts and Geldings in this division of the Juvenile Square Gate. This is a this is a hot race, Dan. Oh, look, it is. This is uh, a race where there's a lot of depth. Horses on both lines of the mobile have got winning chances. Um I, I've come up with one that I'm surprised. It's left field, but surprisingly so. Um, I, I've uh, I've narrowed it down to what I would consider four key winning chances, but it mightn't be one of the ones that you were thinking. Well, I, well, okay. Is it a Roha Kenny? It is. Yeah, no, I, I. You were I, thinking it. I couldn't be more. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't be in your boat. My, I, look, I marked it $9 a row, Harkenny, but I, yeah. I'm definitely – it goes in the early quality on, on virtually a level line with um, the other three, and I'm assuming the other three are the same uh, as me rocking with Attitude. Susan is her name and Cognati. But yeah. um, state the case for a row, Harkenny, because I went back and watched the keyboard. This this girl's very good. She She's very good. Uh, and the run she had at Maryborough was just uh, a, uh, a fitting run and, and a run to make sure that she qualified. Uh, it was a race that they didn't go that hard. She was winding up strongly. So the more genuine the tempo, the better it is for her. She's a really good stayer. And uh, I like what I see. I think because of what looks like a bad gate, you're getting those ridiculously generous and attractive odds of around the $18 when I, when I last checked. So... Arawa Kenny is a filly that has got a lot of potential already and she can continue to improve. And from a stable, they know what they're doing with trotters. They've got an excellent record. Yeah. They're top quality trotters over the years and they've made trips here before and had success with them as well. They know the right types to bring. There's a bit of depth in this uh, two-year-old filly's uh, section of the Breeders' Crown, but I thought the best value was Arawa Kenny. And often... Often I'll say to you, it's better the devil you know. And I know a few of these beautiful devils in this race, but I also know Arawa Kenny, and I've watched her runs in New Zealand, been very much taken by it. If she was a, a filly that we got to see more of here in Australia, or in particular Victoria, she would be 5 or $6 in this race, and it's only the barrier draw would see her with that price. So I'm going with the value. I got 
a lot of time for Susan is her name, as you well know. I think she's terrific chance to win it. As is Rockland with Attitude, who, in a way, I feel like she's often underestimated, but mm. she's not now. She's right up there and likely to start favourite in this Group 1 race for David Miles and Jaden Barker and the team. And, and of course, Cognati uh, is the other one. Cognati, the other one with a, with a terrific winning chance. So my top four, seven, ten, two and nine. I've got the same top four, except I haven't got the, um, uh, the courage of Dan Malecki, but I've gone two, ten, nine, and seven. But I, I couldn't agree more. The best betting proposition in this race. <clears throat> well, I reckon there's two because I think Rockin' with Attitude will win the race. Uh, I think the draw is is critical here. I think she's just going to lob on the lead. Don't be surprised here if Dichotomy gets shuffled three pegs because Valerie Lane's very quick out. I can see a situation where Rockin' with Attitude leads. Valerie Lane gets to drop in behind the leader. Dichotomy was really good at heat level of this series, but I wonder whether um, uh, she's ready to roll in terms of beginning quickly enough from a pole marking draw. Um, there's one down there at $41 for Thrill Seekers. On debut, our Marvella was obviously very good after making an early error, but Adawa Kenny, um, if, I just urge people to go in these races. You can see the run at heat level. Go back to Harness Racing New Zealand. It's very easy Press Info Horse, look up Adawa Kenny, only three runs to look at. And one thing this filly has, Dan, is exceptional speed. So the draw isn't so much a problem for her because she can really wind up. And once she hits top gear, she real quick, isn't she? Yeah, and I think she can sustain the run yep. too. It, it, it's they, They've always got that New Zealand toughness about them. And her run at Maryvale was really good. When you look at her through the line and what they were trying to get with her, it was very positive. But she she does want a, a genuine tempo. If they go slow and she's wide and they opt to go back, that'll make it difficult. But I think with Susan is her name in the race, she's going to have to make a move at some stage. And remember last time, Rockin' with Attitude beat it, just got up on the post and beat Susan is her name. She took off from last, went down the back. They picked up the tempo from about the 700. That'll be the sort of horse arrow Kenny would probably look to follow if indeed it was left of that late in the race. And, and I think she can sustain that run and should be able to keep up with her Susan is her name. As yeah. long as she gets more than a last fast last quarter, I think she can be finishing it off. Um, it's a good feel. There's some outstanding young trotters in the girls' section this year, and I think any one of the four that we've mentioned can win, and maybe a couple of others have got chances if indeed one or two of those horses get it wrong. We'll go for a break now. Two, Ted, nine and seven. The one thing I will say quickly is don't be afraid, afraid to play wide at the back end of your exotics here because they've got an opinion of she's a wish. Our Marvella, I've mentioned, Valerie Lane could get into the right spot. Elder Baron Miley's last two have been very good. You could get value at the back end of your exotics. Time for a break on the Friday form panel. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Friday Focus on the uh, form for that huge night. Uh, we've got two big nights, in fact, but the huge night is uh, full of Group 1s on Saturday night at uh, Tabcourt Park, Melton, with eight Group 1s and a terrific night coming up tonight as well. It really is a Breeders' Crown Carnival, and uh, we've had a look at the first two races on the program, uh, the Group 1s for the three-year-old trotting fillies and also the two-year-old trotting fillies. And we go to another Group 1, and this is for the two-year-old trotting Colts and Gellings, which is race number three uh, on the program. And uh, it's a race that 
through the barrier draws probably opened that up uh, a little bit with uh, the locomotive drawn inside the back line and uh, he was able to win and get that uh, confidence boosting win last week Jason in his uh, heat and um, although it's an awkward draw uh, he is looking like he's going to be the horse to beat that's in the third event so that's at seven o'clock tomorrow night Uh, just having a look for early scratchings we're pretty light on at this stage Uh, if you're doing your early form there's uh, nothing out at the moment, so everybody is uh, waiting for as long as possible to make sure all those sources are right. It's time for the news. You're listening to the Friday Form Panel with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Absolute banger from back in the day. Murder on the dance floor by Sophie ellis Bexter. That would have been, well, a little bit after the Breeders' Crown series started. She performed on Sunrise this morning. Can't believe you watched it. watch the Sunrise. Uh, breaking <laughs> news here on the Friday form panel. All right, let's move on. We're up to race uh, three, and it's more Breeders' Crown finals for the Trotters. This time for the baby boys, the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And I reckon we can find a bit of value here. I don't know how you read this race, but gee, Nathan Jack's got a big early decision to make. Stevie G's got good gate speed, but isn't um, by any means foolproof. And I reckon a few might have a crack here. So Lardy Sons at $71, um, but can run the gate and generally gets aggressive once he does. Triumph Stride began quickly at heat level when winning uh, last time out in the lead up to this final. Uh, Dream Big Aim High might have a crack at the start. I'm, a li- I'm very concerned about what's going to happen to a couple of these front rowers. And uh, Nathan, Jack, as I say, big decision to make. I've found one, a little bit of value on the equal third line of betting for Ricky Elchin. What be your thoughts? Mm, it is interesting. This is one race where barrier draws, I think, have evened it up a little bit. Triumph Stride was really good last start. I think he was able to showcase he's got a, a lot of talent there. And, and I expect him to be in the mix um, to try to to try to lead, maybe end up in front. His chances improve significantly if he does. Um, he's the emerging horse, so um, he, he's a terrific hope. I think the best horse that we've seen so far is the Locomotive. Um, don't know whether or not he'll be finishing like a train or not, Jason. He's probably more likely going to be put into the race. But to do that, he's got to get away from the pegs um, early enough, uh, settle, balance. And then if he does have to go around, sit without cover or sit wide the last lap, lap he's still going to be a little bit vulnerable, isn't he? Um, tricky race, eight on top from five triumph stride. And then I thought with the draw, Stevie G's a chance. And I put uh, number uh, four in there, which is uh, Dream Big Aim High. I thought he's, his run last start was very good. Don't want to underestimate uh, his chances here. There's there's a few others like What's Up Party Time was solid. Um, even SK Hollywood, I thought, ran well in its heat. Um, there's a few horses right on the fringe of uh, getting into the top four, but uh, I've gone with uh, the, the locomotive. Probably no surprise. I'm not super confident, um, but I do think that he'll go down fighting. So it's 8 5 one and four, but no doubt you might even have a, a stronger narrative on this race. I, I'm not sure that I do. I do I, I'll only say this: um, the locomotive, the uh, the trainers you mentioned, the caboose. Um, he had flatlined a little bit. He, he'd he'd been the the early star of the juvenile ranks, and then he flatlined a little bit. And I just don't know if 
I learned that much. It was such a dominant, um, easy, comprehensive win at heat level of this series. I'm not sure I there was anything there to convince me that he's back to where he was. The draw's really awkward. Um, if he does have to get put into the race, um, you know, whoever's in front, Triumph Stride, potentially, do they get rolling along there and think to themselves, well, he's the horse to beat, we'll try and break him. I think at $2.50, he's got a lot of things against him. Stevie G's got a stack of ability, wonderful run at heat level, but again, he's, um, I'm not sure gate one's perfect for Stevie G. Certainly on Saturday night, last Saturday night, when the when the marbles were drawn, you would have thought, yes, this is wonderful, but I don't know if he's going to love the early pressure. Triumph stride, uh, very good, as you mentioned, on the way up, but so too is what's up party time. I did uh, catch up with Ricky Elchin, post the SEN track, into Dominion and Summer of Racing launch. Um, down there on the beach side during the week. And uh, his opinion of what's up party time is, well, I don't think there's any real new information here, but that he's definitely good enough to win, whether he's 100% ready. We'll only find out on Saturday night. But I've got a funny feeling if there's a little bit going on early here and what's up party time, who has no choice but to stay out of the early hustle and then can work around them. Um, he's still pretty green, but that debut win at Menangle in 57 over the mile was excellent. I thought his run at heat level behind Triumph Stride was huge. I'm happy to take him at $5. I think he's um, I think he's good value. I marked him $3.20, so he's value in my opinion. I've got him on top of the locomotive, so I'm half potting him, but he's definitely got a winning chance. One Stevie G and five Triumph Stride, but there's a couple of others going well here. Um, one also that's just ticking along is my personal jet as well for Snooze Fenozio, $17 and $3.80. But um, slightly different thoughts there from Dad and I in the third race in the card. The Breeders' Crown final for the Baby Boys, uh, Baby Trotting Boys, sponsored by Elder Baron Park. I've gone 11, 8, 1 and 5. So I don't think that narrative was any stronger at all. Race four, we begin for the paces here. The two-year-old fillies, and um, I saw you run with Josh Jenkins, and I've even I've written it in the form commentary about your opinion of Major Delight that you um, that you declared last weekend. You are mesmerised, and I, I I get the feeling just listening to Clayton Tonkin that he's he's equally in love with Major Delight. The one thing I wanted to look at when I did the form for this race, Dan, was is Gate One as perfect as it appears, and it probably is. Soho Seraphine simply has to have a crack at the start, but I don't see her getting across. And the amazing thing about Major Delight, for all her raw talent, she's got this incredible professionalism for a young horse, hasn't she? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think that's what resonates with us all and what we appreciate. She's Her makeup isn't just that of a press-button racehorse. It's, it's actually far more professional than that. She just gets the job done and without any frills she's not the sort of a horse that goes out there on a limb and showboats i reckon captain ravishing in a way is a bit of a showboater you know with good reason <laughs> yeah. don't get me wrong um but major delight is the sort of uh superstar that we can all appreciate because it's probably going to be far more reliable and just gets the job done without necessarily any frills until you look at the clock and you think goodness gracious me she continually breaks track records. Um, barrier one, initially last week, I think everyone nearly conceded that the race was all over once she drew one, but she's never drawn that gate before. She's often drawn out wide. I mean, you only have to look at the last five starts. 
six, five, eight, six, and five. Um, so she's never really got a cushy early, but she's so used to uh, coming across, building up her momentum, often sitting without cover and it doesn't phase her. Barrier number one, maybe it gives an, an opportunity for others on the front line to have a dip early just to test it. They probably mm. have to. Yep. This is a $300,000 race. <laughs> so, uh, and often in harness racing, the winning move is made at the well. It can be made in any any part of the race, but the battle for the if they can't win that battle in the early part, there's no hope in Hades they're going to win it in the latter part. The opposition I'm talking about. So whether they chance their arm, they might have a crack. It backfires. It's game over. But it would have been anyway. So some of these horses might have to have a dip. If Soho Seraphine had drawn out wider, it would have made it interesting because she now needs to be a length and a half quicker to get past Major Delight, which I don't think she can in the first 150 metres. Tempting Trigress likewise. Um, I, I doubt that she could cross. Um, she got gate speed, sure, but you know I don't think she's got the blistering gate speed. I know a couple of others might chance their arm, um, but if they've all got the same idea... There could be seven across at the post the first time, mm. and there'll be one horse there under a grip just keeping them all out, and I think we know which horse that is, and it'll be the same horse that will make it nine wins in a row. I just I can't see how she gets beaten. I want to offer a way that um, might make her vulnerable, but she's just too professional. Even if she got crossed, even if she got crossed by something, um, she'll get off the pegs. Who's going to keep her out then? Um, well, well, look, I honestly think that Soho Seraphine probably would and maybe Jewel Melody would as well. Um, but I'll tell you what, the key here, again, Dan, we talk about uh, people having a crack, but it's the way I see this, it's Soho Seraphine or bust because what's going to happen is Soho Seraphine's going to begin so quickly having a crack that if she doesn't get across major delight, as you've mentioned, She's going to run interference for anybody else to have a, to be able to get across, isn't mm. she? Because we see this all the time. You, so if Soho Seraphine gets a you know half lengths major delight and Jewel Melody comes out just as quick, we can't build enough momentum, can you? Because there's a roadblock in, in between. So it becomes a situation here where really the only horse who can cross is Soho Seraphine. Major delight is not only brilliant, but a nice big strong filly makes it harder to get past a big horse, always in a small horse, professional, might have more gate speed than we've ever seen before. I mean, we are it's our job to try and manufacture the possibilities and sort of look into them and, and see what's possible. But Major Delight's just going to lead and win, isn't she? And I think, the, I think the crucial key after that is, does Ludacris have the appropriate early speed? I think probably yes to hold the back of the leader. Tempting Tigress slots in. Um, and then the only other question mark in the race is can Jewel Melody bounce off that disappointing semi-final performance? And it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to to get back to where she was. And she's had a really long season, very tough heat run. So it's majored a lot. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking only three or eight can run second, and then you, you can make up your mind about who can run third. That's my opinion on the race. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're right. Look, Ludacris on her run last week. There's a bit of Tay-Tay about her, you know, yeah. from a similar age, don't you think? Like, it looks exciting, makes ground from the rear, runs ridiculously fast times, but probably just a little shy of the top one or two in her age group at that time. 
Um, if Ludacris can balance up and be behind Major Delight, Major Delight leads Ludacris behind her. She's the obvious one. If they're going to be coming home in Major Delight sectionals, 55 and under, and let's face it, if the conditions are fine, the way the track's racing, and with a horse like Major Delight on the pegs, they won't be going any slower than that. And if they did, it'll be because they're running 25-3 their last quarter. Uh, she can do all of that major delight. So Ludacris is going to be in the right spot if she's leaders back. Uh, like you said, Temptering Tigress. Don't want to underestimate her because she's four out of four. And again, mm. we don't know where her ceiling is either. Yeah. Um, the fact that Mark Pitt would have no hesitation jumping on a major delight, it surprised nobody. But I think it gives you an idea of the way that he ranks them. No doubt he'd probably be thinking the main danger is Temptering uh, Tigress. Notwithstanding, Ludacris is drawn on his back. For fourth, I've thrown in Clive's girl because I thought she'll angle to the pegs. Three back to the inside. She needs a helmet to follow. She got home well last week. And she be, could be that sort of roughie that will get the peg line run and, and could get into third or fourth. So... For me, one, eight, three, and nine. I've gone one, three, eight, and five. And just before we go to a break, um, I had a good long chat with Emma Stewart uh, right here on SEN Track during the week. And she mentioned, because I, I feel, I actually feel awful for Tempting Tigress. But Emma sort of spoke about the fact that there is a, a strong analogy here between Ladies in Red and Tough Tilly. Um, and it's quite amazing to think only a couple of years later. We've got two here that are so outstanding and Tempting Tigress might end up being the tough tilly of her, um, of her generation. But Major Delight, she does look to be the ladies in red. In fact, some very wise voices are saying maybe at the same age, she's better than the ladies in red. Let's go for a break. Come back with more Friday form panel when we return. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Hold on, Tom Bang. This is... Dan Malecki actually wrote that for Katy Perry about Ladies in Red. Actually, there's an interesting narrative there now that you bring up uh, Katy Perry. Yes, Major Perry. Do you know what it is? It's the mum of Major Perry, I know that. But um, uh, no, has it got to do with the actual ladies? No, I I don't know, Dan. Tell me, please. Well, Katy Perry herself won a Breeders' Crown final. She she absolutely did. That's correct. Crandall Getty, uh, from memory, Katy Perry. (laughs) Michael Thompson sometimes doesn't know his own genius back there when he's playing these songs. He he, he, get, he comes up with some inspiration. And also, um, she's the dam of Major Perry who goes around uh, a little bit later in the night and we'll, we'll talk about him. Unfortunately, he hasn't drawn to advantage. And it, she was a good filly, Katie Perry. Um, Breeders' Crown Championship, four-year-old mares. Here they go again. I think I wrote... Uh, White Snakes, here we go again. Uh, here I go again. Here we go again. Tough Tilly. Um, we, we both reference it regularly, don't we, now, Dan? The only ones who have beaten Ladies in Red on three occasions. Now, going back to their first up run, this preparation, um, in the Mate Mine Cullen on Victoria Cup night, at that stage, I was really strong that I felt that Tough Tilly could beat Ladies in Red. And, look, maybe she can again tomorrow night. I'll be honest with you. I think a dollar sixty about ladies in red isn't bad value. I think that she's uh, two of the three times that Tough Tilly has beaten ladies in red. There's been a pretty strong tactical advantage, and it's been over the mile. And on the other occasion, and this isn't to downgrade the efforts of Tough Tilly, 
it was at the end of a long season and ladies in red went for an extended break after that. So I'm thinking we've seen the battle before. Tough Tilly has won before, but I'm thinking uh, our girl, your girl, ladies in red, is uh, more like probably realistically well, maybe a dollar forty shot than a dollar sixty shot. I can't. I'll check what I've actually marked, ladies in red. Um, probably about a dollar fifty or a dollar sixty. But I think she's. I think she's the winner. But it's going to be a, a, a one hell of a race in the middle of the program. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's going to be. Uh, I think a dollar fifty. You've got her priced at, and I think you're thinking now that uh, you have been a little too generous. Um, yeah. <laughs> But look, you can make the case, if you were wanting to be in Tough Tilly's corner here, you can make a fantastic case yeah, for her because each time she's beaten Ladies in Red, she's had Ladies in Red, she's had the benefit of the barrier draw and she gets it here. And she's got very good gate speed. Uh, there's nothing else that's really going to have a crack at her. She should get a soft lead. Now, would Kate be prepared to take the sit behind Ladies in Red and think that she could out-sprint her? Uh, I doubt it. She's led and kept out Ladies in Red in all of her wins, so I suspect they're the tactics that uh, she will do again. Uh, I just think the distance suits Ladies in Red better. She may well be left vulnerable from that gate, though, sitting without cover all the way with Tough Tilly running, you know, fantastic time. You can imagine they're not going to go slowly, and that's the key, Tough Tilly, when she's beaten Ladies in Red, even this preparation when, uh, when she was first up. She ran really good time. It was over the shorter trip, but Ladies in Red was still coming at her on the line. And, and Tay-Tay into the mix. She didn't have a lot of luck last week. She's only gone under by a nose, and she's a very good sit sprinter as well, Tay-Tay. Where she ends up, I'm not sure. Um, could she go forward, Jace, uh, Tay-Tay, to, to look at trying to get cover behind Ladies in Red? Is that an option? Well, you know, this is the very question I was going to ask you, Dan, but you've got in first. Um yeah, I wrestle with this, but I'm I I concluded that they have to they ha- they have to hope that ladies in red isn't bustled early, and she probably won't be because what's the point when you know where you're going to end up in the run? So I think Alex Ashwood being being Albie, I think he's he's got to try and get a, get in front of uh, ladies in red. Doug's babe, I think we'd all concede is very likely to um to chase tough till the end. The thing is, I reckon Doug's babe can begin quickly enough to get in behind the leader as well. So um, that's going to help her a hell of a lot. She's a much better mare following a helmet, in my opinion, Doug's babe. But then I, what do you think? I, I think that Albie is virtually um, duty-bound to to have a crack at at least getting across ladies in red early because it makes life so much different if you do get across and then you get cover from ladies in red because if you go back here, there's just no hope, is there? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Not when they're going to be running the sort of sectionals in the last half. You've got to be close enough and you've got to have that advantage. And I would think a helmet to follow. Uh, so to push forward would be a, a likely plan for Tay-Tay in order to expect ladies in red to go up without cover Tay-Tay 1-1. And she can be dangerous from that position. Um, ladies in red is going to have to push forward, isn't she? She's going to have to be uh, outside the leader at the bell. Yeah. Um, if not in front, uh, the more likely scenario is she'll be without cover because Kate Gath knows uh, the recipe that she's used to beat ladies in red on three previous occasions and the common denominator is Tough Tilly has led on each of those occasions. So I don't think she'll be wanting to change that up too much. I'm going with ladies in red. She's going to have to produce something pretty special, but you know she does it regularly. Five ladies in red, two Tough Tilly, six Tay-Tay, four Doug's Babe. There's one race where I actually struggle to find a fifth pick. Yeah, me too. The first four, 
that'll be the first four. Five, two, six, and four for me as well. And it's going to be a great... I'll tell you what, in terms of a spectacle... You've got to be watching uh, Trot's Vision or Sky Racing tomorrow to see this race because when they come around the turn, ladies in red and tough Tilly are going to be locking horns and you just don't know how close the other two are going to be. And you're going to think, if you've never seen ladies in red race before, you're going to think any of the four could win. And then the girl will just put on the afterburners and she might only win by a head, but uh, she just finds a way. We, we spoke about Major Delight being uh, the kind of horse who finds a way. Well, Ladies in Red is there's something octagonal about Ladies in Red, apart from the fact that she really comes from the back of the field. She just knows where the line is. Race six on British Grand Finals night tomorrow at Vicarnas headquarters, Tabcourt Park, Melton is arguably, I reckon these next two are the races of the night. And as well they might be, this one in particular, it's the Blue Riband in many ways, the Breeders' Crown final for the baby boys, a two-year-old pacing Colts and Goldings, the Lost Storm versus School Captain. And um, you were singing the praises of Captain's Knock last week, and he may have even um, outperformed your expectations. I've actually tipped him on top here. I'll talk through my narrative about how I think the race is going to be run in a moment, but... Um, you were spot on the money with Captain's Knock, and yet somehow, Dan, still didn't get any money. I don't know how man. that happened. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, you notice what price it ended up a place? Uh, it was odds on the place, $1.80 or so in the end, and it was three eighty when, well, look, I declared it. Obviously, I was wrong, wasn't I? But I don't know how it happened that way to run fourth, beating the neck, going that sort of time. And um, still, probably in everyone's estimations, uh, Captain's Knock uh, rose. Whereas he still missed the place, but it was a ginormous run, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I, look, well, you, you you tell me what you think is going to. I mean, I, I just see the scenario. I saw an uh, interview that Nathan Jack did with uh, Adam Hamilton. He'll also be on Burning Questions today. I'm I'm not convinced that School Captain will post the Lost Storm for the entire race. Um, I, I think he probably will. Uh, we saw in the Homegrown Classic final that uh, wonderful contest in 52 and change on Vic Cut night. He led the Lost Storm outside the leader. I know the Emma Stewart camp believes that um, the Lost Storm could have applied more pressure that night. Longer trip gives him even more opportunity. Broke the lead time record staggeringly somehow at Melton in the first race last weekend. But all I can see in this race, then is if school captain does lead and the Lost Storm has to apply or feels, Mark Pitt feels he has to apply pressure a long way out, then Captain's Knock is just going to be swinging in behind them. Well, I, I can see Captain's Knock one out, one back, if yep. that's the case, yep. um, because he tracks through school captain. Uh, I would think that Brad Hewitt's job, remembering this horse from the back row last week, was able to be up vying for the lead and pushing that lead time. i got no doubts. He'll be right on the back of school captain. School captain leads. I wonder if Captain Snock will have another crack for the lead like he did last week. That would change things up a little bit, wouldn't it? But I'd say Captain Snock would definitely hand up then. Um, otherwise, Captain Snock will be awaiting the Lost Storm to go up and sit parked. The only way that that could turn pear-shaped is if the Lost Storm then cruised across uh, school captain. In fact, I don't think there'll be too much cruising at all. Everyone's going to have to earn their spot here. Maybe not to last week's run in that ridiculous lead time, but uh, the, the advantage is definitely school captain. A bit like Tough Tilly and Ladies in Red, uh, school captains used it to success previously with a better gate by leading and parking the Lost Storm. Um, we'll, we'll get to the actual tips in a moment because we've got to go to the news, but when we come back, we'll give our tips. And uh, it should be mentioned that, again, in that interview I had with Emma Stewart during the week, 
I asked her for one sort of left of centre off Broadway tip and she gave me perfect class. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Welcome back to the Friday Form Panel. That's one of my uh, little Scandinavian pop There's a great little series on Netflix at the moment called This Is Pop, and it goes through a number of little vignettes, and one of them is called Stockholm Syndrome, about the uh, influence of... Swedish producers and songwriters, uh, beginning with ABBA and all the way through Roxette, and uh, I just love Scandinavian pop, but that's another passion of mine. Another one is harness racing. Um, the Breeders' Crown, uh, what numbers did we settle on in the two-year-old Colts and Geldings final, Dan? Uh, I tipped uh, two school captain, four the lost storm, nine captains knock, 13 techies watching. No surprises there, two, four, nine, 13. The, the part about the Lost Storm, which I'm interested in, and I'm sure the stable would know this more than anyone because they would be able to, uh, we'll see how the Lost Storm pulled up. Now, if you've spoken to him and maybe you've got a better idea, what worried me was that was the biggest gut buster I've seen a two-year-old just about ever have. So how does he come through it? They can go one of two ways, quite obviously, and Emma and the team would be best placed to know how good or how difficult he uh, had got through the run last week because it was an almighty gut buster. It certainly was. And, and to be honest, Captain's Knock probably it wasn't Similar. that far behind. Um, yeah. You think about the lead time, he must have, well, he's come through from the second row to find the front. So um, it, both of them had gut busters. But I think you know as well as I do, Dan, that uh, trainers are very much like footy coaches in this time. I, I think I could ask a million times. And even if. Even if uh, they hadn't come through it spectacularly well, um, I don't. I don't think you and I'd be finding out. I think. Uh, I think they'd be keeping their cards very close to their chest when it came to that. I've settled on uh, nine, four, two, and eight. And I mentioned that might be the race of the night, and if not, I reckon this one could be the Breeders' Crown three-year-old trotting Colts and Geldings decider, sponsored by Honor Street at HDT. What an absolute belter this is, Harry Stamper, Plymouth Chubb. Cravash door, it's mouth-watering, Dan. Yeah, look, it is, isn't it? And the barrier draw, I think, it favours Plymouth Chubb because he's got so much gate speed. He's a brilliant beginner. For a trotter, he's one of the faster trotters that I've seen. So I expect that he will lead, I lead comfortably, and he'll be very hard to beat. Harry Stamper, you remember last time when Harry Stamper uh, was crossed early, sat behind the leader, came to the turn where the sprint lane was coming up and he broke. So I don't think he's a peg horse. Uh, so Hordecam will probably hold that spot. Plymouth Chubb's quick enough he could lead by three lengths and it could be really inviting to sit in behind. And maybe that's the option that you would have to take if you're Harry Stamper, but I'm not sure he could cross Hordecam anyway. But um, Plymouth Chubb leads. Uh, would Plymouth Chubb take cover? Uh, I, I doubt it. Why would you no. do that? And Harry Stamper, I doubt he could muster quick enough. He needs to build up through his gears, get into a rhythm, in a cadence, um, and he's strong enough. There's no doubt about that. But if he's going to have to sit parked, or will he? Will Cravash Door be the horse to make the move to sit parked? Because Cravash Door has drawn directly behind Harry Stamper. So they'll be wearing each other like gloves, I imagine, Nathan Jack and Anthony Butt. And if it comes down to cat and mouse between those two, it's advantage Plymouth Chubb. Uh, others with chances, Courage Stride, I guess, is in the mix. But I think there's three... 
uh, horses that are most likely going to fight out the finish. Um, I wasn't sure mm. if I had a group selection, it's easy. Um, I've ended up set- settling on two, three, nine, and and 11, thinking that Harry Stamper might end up in the 1 1 because Cravash Door makes a move. Uh, and if that's the case, that might be the advantage for him. But the, the truth is, the more I think about it, it's Plymouth Chubb who might get away with the right run. He might just be in front, the other two playing cat and mouse, and Plymouth Chubb's too slick. They forget about how fast and how good he is in front. So I've, while I've gone 2, 3, 9 and 11, I'm starting to swing around to Plymouth Chubb, starting to think that he's a bit of value. All right, 2, 9, 3 and 1 for me here. I just love... Um, the collective aggregate um, narratives involved here. So Harry Stamp is looking to, um, I guess, stamp his imprimatur, pardon the pun. I know he won the uh, New South Wales derby, but this is uh, this is his opportunity to, uh, I guess, get that big race win in Victoria on the board. Plymouth Chubb's trying to prove, hey, guys, you think you've gone past me? You haven't. I killed everyone last season. You leave me alone in front. I'm big. I'm strong. I'll win. And Cravash Door gets an opportunity. If he wins from that draw, and Nathan Jack's very confident, if he wins from that draw, he says, lovely to have you here, boys. You're really talented, but I'm just better than you. And now, and now you know it. So there's there's some great narratives here. I've gone with Harry Stamper. Um, I thought he might be able to end up behind the leader. Hordicam's a brilliant beginner, but I thought Anthony Butt, being as aggressive as he is, might be able to kick up long enough just to be able to uh, protect that space and then get across. But I can't – I love situations where you can't see how it works out badly. It's a little bit like for Captain's Knock in the previous. I can't work out a situation where it won't work out okay for him. And for Harry Stamper, he's either going to be behind the leader, very small chances in front, and if he's not there, 1-1. One, one. The, the worst-case scenario, he's in the breeze. And is that the worst-case scenario? Because I think he's strong enough – and fast enough that if Kravashtor had to spot him four or five metres, I don't know if he could run him down. You look at the runs in the derby, and even though uh, Kravashtor was an easy winner, they were nearly similar runs given where Harry Stamper was in transit. So this is his opportunity, Harry Stamper. I've got him on top of Kravashtor, and if Kravashtor wins, hands in the air, he's just the best. Plymouth Chubb in for third, and number one, Hortacam for fourth. I think it's time for another break. We'll come back. We've got three more races to go in the Friday form panel analysis between Dan Malecki and myself, J-Bon, for the Breeders' Crown Finals night tomorrow. Still to come, the three-year-old Phillies final, the three-year-old Colts and Geldings final, and the High Gain Breeders' Crown Championship for four-year-old Entires and Geldings. Don't move a muscle. Welcome back to the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. It's a real Tom Bean mix today. There's no doubt about it with the music. Um, Friday form panel, J-Bond, Dan Malecki. We've got three races to go, and we start with the A Rock and Roll Dance Breeders' Crown Series 24 final for the three-year-old Phillies. Um, I just want to mention in the previous race, a horse to follow for the future. Sebastian's boy, I think, is going to be a, a really nice trotter. But in this race, we've already um, we've already referenced it in Cipher. Um, somehow, a dollar seventy, dollar seventy five last weekend looks the leader here. Um, really, as soon as the draws came out, it did look in Cipher, and then you had that sneaking thing about a Moray Vita drawn one. And Emma Stewart actually said to me during the week that she's within Cipher, but Clayton Tonkin. 
I'll get him to confirm on burning questions today. He believes Amore Vita can possibly win. I don't like disagreeing with Clayton, but I'm going to. I think Encipher will be winning again, Dan. Mm, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and Amore Vita should be running second and then um, choose your own adventure after that, I would have thought. Yeah, look, it's the, the two runs Amore Vita have had uh, with a new stable are uh, still a little inconclusive. There, there hasn't been enough there to make me think that she's any better than what she was in her previous few runs with Nathan Purden, but she's got a beautiful gait. Um, she probably, probably have to dig up to hold that spot. In Cypher is a good beginner. Um, you would naturally think a more Avita lobs behind the leader, wouldn't you? And she's mm. probably going to get her chance. But I still don't know how she can give in Cypher a length at the top of the straight and run her down. Um, maybe that's why we're still working for a living, Jace. Um, <laughs> I, I look, I, I think in Cypher, she's, she's aided by the gate. I'd still think she'd win if she drew 11. So I think barrier number two, um, you know, it, it just makes it a... Not so much a lady I'm I don't want to get too cocky, but I, I do rate her, and I think she's too good for her opposition. Um, Amore Vita, the reason why I'm giving her some chance is because of the barrier draw, So, and she's likely to get the good run. So uh, I've two in Cypher, clearly on top. Two, one, eight, Miss X. Pegs might well be the place to be. And and seven, Miss Shantee. Uh, probably should have run second last week. She's mm. going really well, but um, the barrier draw does not help her cause. Something untoward would have to happen to Encipher, I think, for her or, or some of the others, too, to come into it. Tell you an interesting stat. I don't know how much time we've got here, but or not so much a stat, but try to explain to me why Soho Historia is rated at 100 and Encipher rated at 90. I can't work it out. Dear Lord. Might be a chat for another day. Dear Lord, I, I wish you told me that I have not got an answer for you. Um, yeah, it's probably not that relevant to tomorrow's race, but you would think that in Cypher should be rated that highly. There must be something I'm missing, or a national rating system needs to be looked at. Um, but no, the two's on top. Two, uh, look, are, there are positives in that national rating system. I'm not having a full crack at it. They're just a few little areas that are head scratches. Race... Eight tips are two, one, eight, and seven. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely can't answer that that query. Um, yes, on with you. Uh, same top three, and then uh, interject is improving rapidly, in my opinion. If you want, if you're a thrill seeker and you want to have a crack, ten dollars a place about interject is simply wrong, in my opinion. It is. It's on the way up. When you get to these series quite often, particularly if they're towards the end of the season, horses are either on the way up or the way down. And Interject, no doubt in my mind, is on the way up. Having said that, I mentioned last week, in Cypher, for some reason, her speed is not respected the way it should be. She's not just tough. She's just not a front-of-the-field horse. She's incredibly fast. There's no pressure here. Amore Vita would have to... I don't know what she'd have to do. She'd have to run the fastest 150 metres in the history of the sport to run past in Cypher here, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I more than physically, I reckon mentally and psychologically, for whatever reason, that Queensland trip maybe, I could see a Moray Vita, even if she did get really close, even if she somehow broke land speed records and levelled up within Cypher, in Cypher would just tell her no, wouldn't, wouldn't she? And I just feel, in terms of the psychology of the two horses... In Cypher, he's in the zone, and I feel like Amore Vita could get worried out of it even if she was somehow quick enough 
to make up that ground. Don't you? That, that, that's how I'm seeing Amore Vita at the moment, Dan, where she's – and she's been this way for a while. She sprints hard and fast for a period and then sort of feels like that's enough. That, that's, that's, that's how it seems to me visually. Yeah, I think you're right. I reckon even Chris Helfer would say that. I've talked to Chris a few times over the journey about Amore Vita and he didn't think he was any, she was anywhere near what she was you know, 8, 10, yeah. 12 months ago. Uh, and, and as I said, a bit inconclusive in her last couple of starts, she hasn't gone badly. She never has, uh, but she just hasn't got that final kick. Uh, maybe from the sweet run, she could get it. But it's, if there was any other horse in front of a bar in Cypher, I'd say, okay, well, that's a possibility. But in Cypher's in front, she's mm. a pretty sweet filly. And um, some of the races that she was beaten in, particularly in feature races, um, were when she had drawn a bad gate, had to do a tough, went down fighting. So here she's aided by a good gate. I don't think there's anyone around now that doesn't consider her the best of the three-year-old fillies. And it's her race for the taking. And if Amore Vita can pick up that a length and a half of her in the in the home stretch, well, I'm even with a sweet, sucky run, I'd be prepared to say, well, you found your mojo again, Amore Vita. I'm just not convinced that's happened or, or happened no. yet anyway. Um, but I, I am with you for Miss X for third as well. You could play a straight trifecta here, I reckon. You wouldn't be far off the mark, two to beat, one to beat eight. And then have something in place at $10 a drum on interject because Miss X was climbing all over them last week. It was a terrific run. She's going to love that trip. Three poles when they're getting home in 53-8. Um, race nine, before we go to our final break, Captain Ravishing, he's a freak. He'll win the race. The question mark is what happens early here, I think, uh, to try and find the place getters. Dan Kafaji has good gate speed. Charlene Guzman, even all the way back to uh, the barrier draws, was saying, yeah, this is the time we'll, we'll use He's Charlie's Angel and try and get across them. Um, where does Rip end up? Um, could be interesting early. Captain Ravishing, though, he'll find a way to win and, 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 and break the clock as he does every time he goes around, regardless, I'd suggest. Yeah, I think you're right. Rip, Rip's uh, my clear second pick. He's Charlie's angel. Remember earlier on in its career, it came out of the gate and it over-raced and it capitulated. So we want to get into bad habits with him again. He looks like he's got his confidence back and he's going really well. How much gate speed has Kafaji got to hold up? Um, he gets out all right. Rip is very quick off the gate. Um, if Rip's sitting behind Captain Ravishing, um, he, he's the only other possible winning chance. But He's, he's pinched on for running second is based on the quality of horse that he's been running up against. Um, Captain Ravishing on top for me. There's been plenty of mentions in likening him to a horse like Ride High, and, and I get it. Uh, and the interesting fact is the only Group 1 race that Ride High ever won is this race, the three-year-old Colts yeah, right. and Geldings Breeders' Crown Final. And uh, Captain Ravishing, he needs to win the Group 1, and he should win that Group 1. He's got the ability of a Group 1 horse. So I, I think it's his day to shine. Market suggests he'll be shining brightly at 10.27. Uh, my tips are 5, 3, 1, and uh, I'll put in Major Perry. Uh, might be the dark horse. I've gone 5, 8, 1, and 3. I think interest free can improve significantly of a soft trip. I don't think he's a breeze horse. Um, Kafaji, yes, I don't know whether he holds up, but the pole marking draw will help regardless. And he's, he's definitely trending in the right direction. And Rip in there as well. Major Perry is some sort of chance. Even down there, there's one horse that we've got to keep following in Raw for Roscoe. It just is absolutely a blaze for Juanita Breen at the moment. We'll go for a break, come back. We've got one more race to get through and best bets on the Friday form panel. Don't move a muscle. And straight after us, I'll, I'll let you know this again, but... Gareth Hall, the great man, has got a new show, Road to the Trilogy, but we'll talk about that in a moment as well. Welcome back 
to the Friday form panel on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. What a great way to finish. Lewis Capaldi there. Um, we're not going to forget a few of these sources. Once again, uh, Dan Malicki, as we resume the final stanza of the, uh, of the Friday form panel, I just wasn't quick enough on the uptake. Um, Act now opened $2.50 in the final race tomorrow night, the British Crown Championship for four-year-old Enticing Geldings. That's all gone. It's $1.60. So. Is that right? Yeah. Wow, I've tipped him the best bet because the last time I looked, it was $2. That's, that's, so that's extraordinary. Yeah, well, I don't know. You do your own prices. I'm sure you, I marked him $1.70. And again, I, th- I think I might have been a bit generous. So um, mm. I can't believe I missed the two fifty, all the two dollars, or, or anything of the like. But um, he's the, the margin was narrow, but he's winning the four and five year old championship, second row draw, kicking back, not willing to get run down by better eclipse, um, and he'll just lob on the lead here with little pressure. Surely he's 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 very near a moral. Yeah, well, we had these similar situations through the the derby. Uh, Beyond delight had his supporters act now was just too strong. Um, I, I priced him a dollar forty. Yeah. So, and and I'm thinking I might have uh, put a bit of mayo on it. He might well be a bit shorter. Beyond Delight's a good horse, but I, I can't see how he's going to sit without cover and beat uh, Act Now. So it's Act Now's race for the taking. He was my best on the night. Um, he is firming up now into a price where I still think probably a little bit of value if you're going to take some all ups. It's a good night to take some all ups to keep you entertained. Five, six, four, and three are my tips in the last clear top pick act now. Best of the nine. I'm going five, three, six, and four. He'll be winning act now. I actually think Neratak Prince, if he can get across and find the lead and take a trail on act now, they might go slowly enough that Neratak Prince is a little bit of value at $1.95, in my opinion at least, um, to run second. Five, three, six, and four. So if act now is your best, where else are we, uh, are we directing our attentions tomorrow night for the punt, please, Mr. Malecki? Well, I thought it was one of those nights with a few shorties there, um, and I'm happy with Act Now. I think he stands out as the best, but he's getting short now. But the value is Arawa Kenny, race two, horse number seven, way over the odds. I thought it would have been single figures for sure, but around $18, dollar a win, $4 a place ratio. Um, it's easy to say you can't go wrong. I said it last week with Captain's Knock, but at least there's a bit of value about it. Race two, number seven, at value, Arawa Kennedy. All right, my little five-leg multi um, lobbed last weekend, and I didn't have it myself, but here's, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can fashion one up here. Race four, number one, Major Delight. Race five, number five, Ladies in Red. Then throw in... Um, uh, in Cypher will be winning, uh, Captain Ravishing will be winning, and Act Now will be winning. And I think there's value around just a bit touchy early. I'm with Ottawa Kenny as well as a little bit of value. And also, what's up, party time? Been a pleasure as always, Dan. Can't wait for this great weekend of racing, and I'll catch up with you tomorrow night. Look forward to it. Thanks very much, Jase. There's Dan Malecki, the legend. Um, time for us to say goodbye, but keep tuning into SEN Track. Brand new show from the heaviest hitter going around here, Gareth Hall. It's called Road to the Trilogy. He's across the Nellabore. I'll tell you no more. Just make sure to listen in. Au revoir.